Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the After Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Franzese. If you could take a second to like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast, I really appreciate you know all the feedback. Um, today, I have the pleasure of bringing on actually somebody who I'm pretty sure we started in the business at similar ages, um, Antonio Bocchetti. I appreciate you coming on today, Thank brother. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Why don't you... Uh, Give a little bit of a background of yourself to the audience yeah. and uh, tell us where you came from and then we'll, we'll get into it a little bit. Started the business uh, 2000. I've been doing it for 23 years now. What um, age were you when you started? I was 18 years old. That's a little younger than me. A little younger. 18? Yeah, I think you were like 20. I was like, I was, tw- no, I think I was, tw- so I went to Nassau Community College in 2013 and then I did that for a year or so. It didn't obviously go as planned. The, the school end of things, so I got into the business. I remember I always asked my father, come let me dial the phone, let me dial the phone. He was partners with Keith back then, yeah. and he always said you were too young to be in this type of environment, but it finally got to the point where I didn't continue to go to school, and uh, I was probably, I don't know, maybe 20. I was probably 20, I, not 23, because um, I'm in the business, I think, eight or nine years now. You know, he finally let me come to the office and start dialing, and that's when I realized, like, holy crap, this is what these people do. Um, but going back to what you were saying, you said you were 18 when you yeah, started. Yeah, 18. Yeah, I was in uh, I was in school, so you know, doing my whole college thing. Um, I was actually working with my brother. Um, I was actually studying to go for my zero, series, going for my series seven. Believe it or not, uh, back then the market started changing. I never heard that story. So you yeah. were going for your series. So I was seven. going to, for my series seven. Yeah, I was doing the whole stocks. Course. Yeah, stocks, because huh. uh, he was a broker. Um, so he's like, yeah, he's like, we're gonna we're gonna go do mortgages. I was like, okay, let's do it. So uh, was he in the was he so he was in the st- he was in the brokerage business. He was or? a stockbroker at that point, probably for a good like ten years. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, then he saw a change, I guess. In, yeah, he in saw the mar- market shift. He saw that there was uh, opportunity in mortgages, and um, he never did it before. But he just got the call. Hey, listen, you want to come and run the shop? Yeah. And uh, took advantage of it. Yeah, my father, I guess you know he comes from a similar background. He was in the brokerage financial end of the business, and he saw an opportunity. You know, I guess around that similar time, yeah. you know, in the mortgage space, and that's when he partnered up with Keith. You know, you know more than I do. You you know my father before I know you. <laughs> you know, going back so many years, but uh, yeah, I can't. You know, starting in in a business like we're in, realizing what we do now, it's crazy to think about an eighteen year old, you know, being in the business. So what what year was that for you? Uh, two thousand. Two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, the way it was back then, I feel like it's totally different now. Uh, you know. I only did sales on the phone. I never did, you know, face-to-face. That didn't exist back then, especially because I was 18 years old. For a handsome guy like you. I know, right? <laughs> but nobody would take me seriously because I was 18, but, you know, I looked like a 12-year-old, right? I had that issue. I had, I, I, we, you still, even sounding younger sometimes. It's, it's so. tough, you know, so it can, help, it can hurt you, but it can help you as well. So it all depends. But all my sales on the phone uh, never really met anybody. So you were just dialing in the beginning? Just dialing, closing everything on the phone. I think I did one loan uh, uh, face-to-face, he wanted to meet me. He's yeah, a doctor. Um, and then when he met me, he's like, how old are you? <laughs> and I was like, uh, 19. And he's like, oh, wow. He's like, you're like uh, my son's age. It's crazy, you know? And you know, he had, helping him with the biggest yeah, purchase of his Matt, life. Yeah, and I did like a, a million-dollar deal for him. And, you know, and I remember the deal to this day. And he's like, that's crazy. Like, my son, you know, wouldn't know half of this, what you're doing right now. People really, yeah, even when I started back then, that was for the first couple of years a challenge because – you're showing up to people's homes, and no matter what type of loan it is, whether it's buying a home or refinancing their home or 
you know, I was doing a lot of the reverse mortgages back then. So right. I'm sitting down with 62 year old, 70, 80 year old people. Not that I'm not educated on the product. It's no, just, a, just, it's a different feeling, you know, for that person, I'm sure talking to somebody so much younger. Un yeah. Unfortunately, than in the business. once you're at that age, people are going to judge you. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's just reality. Um, you know, to this day, you know, we look young. I think, you know, I, you don't look like you've been doing it for all these years. You have an age that a second a bit and being in this business, Italian I feel like blood. <laughs> that's, it, it, it has to be, um, you know, I feel like you saying the way you learned is similar, even though I got in the business so many years later. Um, I feel like we learned a similar way because I feel like it's only these last, I'd say three or four years that this business is starting to transition into more of a face-to-face -face. Right. you have to kind of build your personal brand and get out there and meet the people and yep. meet your referral partners which you know you're amazing i've always looked up to you the way you operate from a networking standpoint you know being in front of your clients you know getting your business that way making relationships yeah um but i, I learned on the phones also smile and dial and i probably wouldn't ever change that because that gave us the old school qualities that you need in this business, of I feel course, like, to be yeah. successful in any market. You know, a lot of these people want to just meet people, but they're not educated on the products. Right. Or they don't know how to have a certain conversation to make the client feel comfortable or whatever the case may right. be. So to learn on the phones and in phone sales the way we did, I feel like it gives you such a leg up on just life and, and being in the business and being educated. Totally about agree business. with you. Yeah, 100%. It, it's, a, it's a different experience, of course, doing sales. Yeah. You know, meeting someone, it's one thing, but doing, you know, on the phone, I think it's a total different way of selling personally. So I definitely agree with you. So you were, you got in the business 2000 and you said five? Two no, 2000. Yeah, 2000. Yeah. So how long did you get licensed? Was it licensed? Did you get so, licensed no, back then? No, so how, back, how did it work then, back then they didn't do the whole, you didn't have to get licensed back then. Um, so when I got licensed, when I had to actually go for the whole, um, you know, NMLS test. And it was probably state by state back then, right? It wasn't like take one test like it, it is now. Well, right. It was different because then they, they switched it that you had like the whole blanket. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was probably around 2010, I want to say. So it was after 08 because that's yeah, what I wanted to yeah. talk to you about. No, so it was after because at those a few years, I actually worked for, uh, you know, big banks, JP Morgan. Uh, I was at Citibank. So when you're with those those big banks, you don't have to be licensed yourself. They're like you Fed do Charter. Right. Fed, you you have to have your uh, NMLS ID, which mine is only six digits, so I've been doing it forever. <laughs> <laughs> I always get to like, how long have you been doing this for, you know? Yeah, I've got 10, 15 digits now in there. <laughs> yeah. NMLS numbers. Yeah, so mine is like six digits. So, um, you know, back then you didn't have to really go for it, especially when you're federally chartered. You didn't really need that. And then after around 2010 is I when I after 08, they really kind of cracked down. They started to, of course, started. yeah. But, you know... That's once everybody made the shift from the big bank going to small banks, you had to go for it. Yeah, you had to get licensed. That's something I wanted to actually bring up because I wasn't in the business during a time like 2008. And I feel like people, whether it's comparable to the challenges that people are going through now in the real estate business, which I think it is a little bit different. Um, speak on that a little bit. You know, what was it like to be in the business as a young gentleman who, I don't know what your experience was back then. I'm sure you, you're sharp to the to the nine, so I'm sure you were the best loan officer back then as well. You know, what was it like to go through such a shock? And what was it a shock? What what happened back then? So know, um, time like that. You know, starting the business from 2000, like you know, when things actually started. Were you busy right away, and then everything just. When I yeah, so when I started 2000, I was busy closing yeah. a ton of loans. Um, you know, things started getting a little weird. 2000 at the end of 2007, 2008. 
and that's when things literally, uh, you know, went went crazy. Was um, giving money to everybody, from what I from what well, I heard. They were giving. Unfortunately, you had a lot of reckless programs yeah. uh, back then. You had Countrywide, where you had like no income, no assets. They were lending people more money than the house they were purchased, like more than the purchase well, price of the at, house. At one point, they were actually doing a hundred and six percent financing. So do the math, right? That's 6% more than what the house would be. So, you know, they're actually lending all this extra money. So 6%, you were already in the hole technically from your 100%. So the house is underwater. There's, right there's no the equity in the house right off the bat. You're, you're negative, yeah. yeah. So um, they were- Sounds like a recipe for-, for It disaster. was a recipe for disaster. Uh, you know, they had the big, uh, Countrywide had no income loans, no income, no assets. Um, you know, it was, it was really scary at that point. You know, um, you had negam loans, negative amortizations. So what's that? Like when you're making a payment, so they gave you like things go backwards, right? Exactly. So if you started a loan at four hundred thousand in a year, potentially you were at four fifty to. Imagine making payments for a year. All of a sudden, you you owe more than the initial loan. It's, so, not, it's know, not even it's, funny. It's, it's crazy. Like a, yeah. So crazy. you took a loan for four hundred thousand. At the end of the year, depending on your payment plans that you chose, you'd be at four fifty. Oh now you do the math. If you keep on making those same payments four years, you're in the hole now. Yeah. So that four hundred thousand dollar house. Or mortgage is six hundred thousand. Yeah. So that's where your negam came. Yeah. Those loans were horrible. I that know, explains I a lot about, I guess, kind of why what happened happened back then. Yeah. They, they were very flexible, I guess, with their lending. You know, even though the same or similar programs have come about, you know, these these recent years in in our time in the business, but they're not as flexible as they used to be. Not at all. You have to have reserves in the bank. You have to have a higher FICO score, of course. Yeah. They're much more stringent when it comes to how they lend money. 100%. Because I feel like they don't want to ever see something like that happen again. I don't see no negative memorization loans personally. And no. honestly, I wouldn't even want to write one of those loans no, up. That's no. just you, you know you're putting default some, coming up. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, are there any crazy stories you could think of from like 2008, like what what happened? It was was it one day like you see in the movies? All of a sudden, like one second, everything it, just stopped. Really like was what? yeah. So I remember um, I was actually I was at a closing. This is when literally all banks were going out of business like yeah. every day at this point, and we were at the closing table. My client, he uh, he sold his house two hours before, so we're like, oh great, you know, he sold his house, he got his money, his loan funded. Yeah. Now we're closing his loan um, at the table. Two hours after, they're like, hey, listen, um, we can't fund the loan. And I was like, what do you mean? I said, we have everything. The bank's giving us a problem. I'm like, okay, what do you mean? They're giving you a problem. It's like, they're not funding the loan. They're going out of business. I said, they're going out of business right now? <laughs> right. We were literally at the table. And, uh, you know, we were going back and forth. Uh, luckily, it ended up not that day, but the day, the morning after, however they figured it out, they were able to fund the loan. They probably threw a different investor or something. Like no, that. it was the same investor, but I guess they had like a um, warehouse line with the bank. They like had that. extra funds available yeah. and they funded it. And then literally right after they were out of business, wow. like they did like a bankruptcy or something. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And you know, the, Everyone's like cursing, like, oh, you know, I don't have a house. Like, what do you want to do? You can't imagine. I, we deal with people that go through challenges on loans, and you see how things get, you of know, course, dealing with consumers yeah. and even being a consumer ourselves because we've bought real estate. It's amazing when you're in those shoes. You never really feel how you feel when uh, until you're in it. One hundred percent. Until you're told that there's a problem with you buying a home or something yeah, comes your up. Your loan's not funded yeah, and you can't tough. move into the house that it's you thought you were that. moving into in a few hours. And mind you, you just sold your house. Yeah, so now you're homeless, unfortunately, and you have a family, you know, wife, two kids. So um, that was definitely a crazy situation. Luckily, it worked itself out. But from there on, you know, 
we didn't have business wasn't the same. I was gonna say so what there was just less applications. Banks weren't lending money or yeah. what? All the banks were going out of business. Were rates high? Did were rates high back then? So or what, where were rates back then? Rates back then. So we they were popular. The two twenty eights adjustable loans and three twenty sevens. So those were popular back then. Everybody took an adjustable loan back then. Really? Yeah, uh, nine to ten people. Okay. Uh, they ranged anywhere from a seven and a half to ten percent. So believe it or not, the rates from what they were back then are similar to the environment they're in today. Yeah. So it's I not... just purchase prices, people. That's what people say now. It's like, yeah, rates are similar, but the purchase right. prices are so much higher Back now. then, you were selling a house maybe for what, three, four hundred? That house is probably seven or eight hundred thousand now. Maybe more. Kind of maybe more. Yeah. Especially in some states, like I've done business in Florida where... These people bought these houses for four or five hundred thousand, and now they're worth over a million, million and yeah. a half dollars in certain areas. That it just doesn't make sense. It feels like something at some point has to change, but maybe it doesn't because there's such a low inventory. I feel like of, of homes, no, no matter where you go. I mean, that's starting to, I guess, maybe change now a little bit. Yeah, I feel like um, it's going to have to change one way or another. I, I don't feel like a lot of people can qualify for these houses. They can afford life realistically. In um, you know, you do the math on a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage. You need to make a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Hundred, and that was probably seventy five thousand a year. Exactly, two or three years yeah, ago, yeah, exactly. When the rates were in a different, and that's spot. considering you have no debt. Yeah. Now, if you have a car payment, you have credit cards. Which everybody does, which you know, nine out of ten people do. Yeah. So, to what you have to make one hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year to qualify to buy a five hundred thousand dollar house and then have a five thousand dollar mortgage payment. Correct, which is half of your income. Right, you know, so. It really is amazing, and that, like you just said, something eventually I feel like has to has give. Has to, 100%. Because the average consumer or the average person in general just can't sustain this, this lifestyle. I don't think it's realistic. You know, There's only so much because once then rates drop, right, what's going to happen to real estate, in my opinion, then it's going to go even higher at that point. So it's like something's got to give one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like even, like I was saying, now they have some of those similar programs the banks are just so much more conservative, and they just probably never want to see the the industry, just the world. Because yeah. houses are, I guess, the, the probably the most important tool, you know, for money in, in the world. You know, 100%. the reason why they invented housing, I feel like, is because it's a way to lend money, right, to, to a consumer. You know, without a piece of property, how are you going to lend somebody money? So. Right. Less and less people can afford homes. Some, something has to change. Something has to. You know, at some point. So. Especially, if obviously, you know, inventory. We're having that problem, too. Yeah. So, not sure what it's going to be, but I feel like something's going to have to happen. It's not going to be anytime soon. I don't think so. I think we still have a, a good year or so to f for all this to get figured out. Because, you know, we're still in the early stages of, you know, whatever's happening now. It's because what we did a year ago. Yeah, right? and that's what I was going to ask you, because you've been through a crazy time, like 2008. Like, what would you say to a loan officer or a, a realtor now going through this time because I know as a person who's been in the business, what, like eight, eight years now, and I've seen success, I've seen adversity in this business, this year opened my eyes to, right. you know, you should have done things a little bit differently, you know, not just when the times were good, right. just in general. You know, what would you say to, because I feel like there's a crazy stat, like 70% of agents aren't going to renew their license. Yeah. And I'm sure the same with loan officers. You know, do you stick it through? I mean, I know I'm this, I eat, sleep, and breathe this business. Yeah. You know, do you see an opportunity coming up in the next year or so? Or what, what would you say to somebody going through a real challenging time right now 
being somebody who went through this already. So um, I definitely agree with you. It's, it's, I think it's going to get better because a lot of people aren't renewing their license. Whether you're a real estate agent, uh, even the mortgage uh, license, a lot of people are slacking off and they're not. It should be a rule. If you should, lose your license, 100%. you're not allowed to renew it for a couple of they years. They should give you a. Uh, things are going to get good again. 100%. Because, yeah. you know, then you just got to go back for continuing education and yeah. pay $500. So I agree with you. If you get your license, if you want to put it on hold, that's great. No problem. But they should say you're not able to originate for two or three years. Because now that means you could just jump back in whenever you want and basically take back, you know, whatever business. I feel like there should be a little bit more strict guidelines on that. So I agree with you. Um, But I feel like it's just um, the way the business is right now and uh, talking about grinding – what have, you been, what have you been doing to, to stay busy? So I, I, you know, I've always been grinding. I've been doing it 23 years. Thank God. I have a book of business. You know, been I, have, so, I know you've always been so yeah. consistent, and that's what I've admired I'm about all, your thank business. You. I'm all referrals, uh, yeah. so I don't really deal with leads. Like, you know, I don't take leads or buy leads. I'm all organic. You know, it's all I hear you on the phone once yeah. in a while, man, doing your thing, <laughs> which is nice. I, yeah. love, I love seeing that. So it's all homegrown, uh, yeah. all referral business. I started that model uh, about, what, 2013? So that's when I started, because I didn't want to do leads anymore. I yeah. did leads at the beginning of my career. And then I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, yeah. I don't, no offense, but I don't want to have to dial, call. No, you put your time in, though. Exactly. And that's what yeah. these people don't realize. Like, I put my time in. I dialed the phone for five or six or seven yeah. years, and I still dial the phone. That'll never change just because of the way our organization is structured. Right. But if you haven't seen success or became an expert at the mortgage business, which is being on the phones and dealing with people, it's hard to get to the point that you've gotten to, which I, like I said, I've always admired that. Being so consistent is the most challenging thing in this business, yeah. you know, and that's what people I feel like struggle with. It's definitely a grind, um, you know. Those 10 deals one month and nothing the next month or the next two, three months, and that's, that's what people go through, right. so to be able to stay yeah. consistent and Seesaw, have that quality. 100%. Listen, you, you want to try to be as, um, you want to have like a steady flow no matter what. Don't get me wrong, closing 10, then closing five, not bad at all. No, of but you want to be more steady. Just so using numbers, whether it's right. two or three, then zero, which is always, yeah. I feel like for a lot of people, that zero always comes because well, uh, they take their foot off the gas once they close a couple deals. 100. Yeah, so I'm all about grinding no matter what. You yeah. got to grind. Listen, even if I have 10 deals in a pipeline, I'm still going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do my networking events. Um, you know, maybe I might do a little bit uh, more of a prospecting, maybe like a realtor, CPA. So I'm always going to keep things like in the back burner, you know, to just have ready, you know, you see the pipelines coming down. And I've noticed you're on social media now, Yeah, you know, which is nice. That's uh, that's big too nowadays. So I feel like you have to be in the social media spotlight. You know, you know that as well. Yeah, I feel like because no matter who you are, when I meet somebody, if I question who they are, I type their name in on on, on the internet. And now when you tape my my name in on, on the internet, Positive stuff comes. Po- yeah. Positive feedback. Yeah. You know, is 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 what comes up. So why would you not want to separate yourself from another loan officer or another realtor by doing simple things? Right. To me, it's another sales funnel. You know, whether it's leads, referrals, media, social media, it's another angle to to get business yeah, and to set I agree up opportunities. Um, I feel like a lot of people who have been in the business for so long, longer than you, you know, have a tough time with that, getting their face out there, and you know putting content out there, right. which I struggled with for so long, too. I was never consistent until, I'd say, these last three or four months where I realized that, you know, right now, not that we have more time because you create your own time. Right. And if you're taking time off right now, I think that's the opposite of what you should be doing because you should be, you should be yeah, putting more work in right <laughs> now. But I just feel like adding in the media and the social media, building the personal brand, 
over the next year, two, three, five, ten years, you know, that's where I feel like you'll start to see the results. It's more of a long-term play. Definitely is. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. I feel like the phone will just start to ring when rates come down. Yeah. You know, from people that see you out there that know you provide a good service. You know, we hear so many things when we go out, whether it's at a random restaurant or we could be in the city. People say, wow, we see you guys on social media. Right. And people never understand, you know, to them it sounds maybe corny or whatever it is. You know, why do you care about how many views you get or why do you care about posting you know, this piece of content, because to me, it's a numbers game, just like leads yeah. or how many referral partners you have. Right. The more you do, the more you get out there, the more people that look at what you're posting or whatever it is, the more opportunity, you know, you're going to have at converting that person or lead or whatever it is yeah, in, into definitely business. definitely a numbers game, 100%. It's a numbers game. The more you get yourself out there, the better it is. Yeah, yeah like we post these videos. So let's say we gain a 1,000 followers a month by posting videos. You know, over a year, we just got 12,000 new organic people that are right. following our feed. And now out of those 12,000 people or 100,000 people, when it comes time for that person to do something in their life which where we could provide value, they're going to know that we right. do mortgages or real estate yeah. or whatever it is. So... That's that's why I feel like it's so important, and people, not everybody, I feel like understands how important it really is. Um, but yeah, to have the qualities <laughs> that we have, old school, being on the phone, smile and dial, and then to add in how you've added in, you know, your successful referral business, which is what everybody dreams of having. Yeah, you know, that's exactly. that's I, I commend you for that. Which is thank you. Yeah, it's definitely amazing. clutch. Um, you know, the referral, it's not going to happen overnight. No, you know that. definitely doesn't happen overnight. But if you want to go strictly referral, I think that's the way to go personally. Yeah. Um, where you know those are going to be your clients. They're not going to, you know, shop around, do the whole nine. You've closed a lot of the people at the same time, I'm sure, also I, I, over and I over have again. A, I have a ton of clients that I've I've done four, five, six deals for them. That's amazing. You know? Um, yeah, that speaks volumes. So it's, it's huge. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Those people obviously trust you. This, this is the biggest thing for most people of their life, yeah. the biggest investment. That's how I was successful for so many years. The same people, their cousin, their aunt, their brother, whoever it was, them buying an investment property. You know, once you do the right thing by somebody one time, yeah, they're, they're your family. You have them I for life like at that point. As long as you take care of people, which yeah. that's my business, that's my motto, yeah. I take care of everyone because yep. um, I want you to come back. I want you to think about me. Exactly. So you, you have someone that wants a refinance purchase. You're like, oh, you know what? Antonio did the right thing. He always answered the phone, answered all my questions. You know, you know, make sure you have me on speed dial. Listen, even when I close a loan, I tell all my clients, just because we closed your loan doesn't mean that you can't call me if you have any questions. Something pops up in your mortgage statement looks a little weird, give me a call. I'm here. Yeah. And it happens a lot of times, you know, but people appreciate that you take the, the time out. Even though your job is done, you know, the biz, the transaction's over, but still helping people, I think that's a big way to get keep getting that constant referral flowing. No, that's the best, the best model, you know. We know how certain people operate in this business, and if you don't provide a good service, you can never expect that person to come back to you. You know, yeah, once 100%. people do the wrong thing once, I mean, that sits in the back of my head forever. So yeah. I would never probably give somebody a second chance when it comes to something financial if I don't feel like they did the best job. For yeah, if you drop the ball, I'm never dealing with you again. Yeah, so I'll give you that one shot. Once you drop yeah. the ball, I'll yeah. never come back to you. You know, talking yeah. about some, some different stuff, I know that you look like you're in good shape, man. How's your... Uh, how do you start? Like, what's what's your routine? So I know you you put a lot of time in being on the, on the streets and stuff, yeah. getting business. Are you in the gym? I know you've 
we've talked about yeah, that. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'll probably wake up like around seven, you know, nice. seven thirty. Yeah. I'll do cardio in the morning, thirty minutes. You get your cardio in. Get the cardio in. Thirty minutes cardio. That's the um, best way to start your day. That's the bro. best way to start it. It's like you know, you're you're fasting still, so you're on an empty stomach. I don't have coffee or anything. I go straight to the cardio machine. I have a Peloton. And uh, I actually go to the gym at night. So Do you do the gym at night? Yeah, I do the gym at night. So I'll go to the gym probably at 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock, depending on my schedule. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to get back into going in the mornings. Yeah. Uh, I used to do that, just a different routine. Yeah, but I've been just used to doing this because by the time you finish, you know how it is. We have networking, yeah, uh, meetings, events. They, they finish 7, 8 o'clock, and I find myself in the gym at 8, 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. So. That's something because I recently started that journey, I don't know, four months ago where yeah, I saw that. I've, I've never in my life been consistent. I always would go to the gym for a day and then not go to the gym ever again. Right. And then five years later, sign up with another different gym, try to do it again, try to get consistent. And it was just something that I never was able to, not that I wasn't able to do it. I just, it, it bored me. Right. And I was always the person that played so many sports. I loved athletics. I just could never see myself getting consistent until I guess it's close to 30 years old, you start feeling a different type of way. You know, I woke up even last week. I ate horrible. You know, one one night, and I woke up the next morning, and I was training with my boxing coach at the gym, and I literally couldn't even walk around the ring. And I've uh. never felt that way in my life. You know, I could eat anything. You know, I had like chicken cutlets, then I had ice cream, an ice cream sundae. You're eating like a then teenager. Can- then I had candy. Then I got home and had bowls of cereal. <laughs> you ate like a, te- I, I, a teenager. I ate like a teenager. And, but I've, I've always gotten away with that. And it was, it was literally last week where I woke up that next morning and I was like, I have never felt like this in my life. Yeah. And that literally opened my eyes to, to realizing that I, if you're going to spend so much time being in the gym and trying to put the, the time in to you know, become physically fit, right. and Working for out. me, it's not just for looking good. I want to feel good. 100% mental clarity. Mental clarity. And that's I feel huge. like, yeah, that's, that's huge. And that's something that I feel like recently even with social media people have started to speak about it more you know people have always had a tough time you know getting things off their chest and speaking to people about something that they're going through whether it's adversity or struggle they're going through in life or um whatever the case may be and i feel like the gym has now opened up a new it's just a new feeling for me at least no it's Um, awesome to be to be consistent to have a routine um, even though we've always been successful and I've been successful, I've never had a great routine. I felt like, I felt like I would just wake up, go to my office, do the right. same thing Start and just keep, keep doing it again. Yeah. Just keep doing it again. Yeah. And, uh, the gym has really broken that up for me and made me look forward to doing something different. Yeah. Gym, gym activity is huge. A uh, physical activity. Like I said, you do your weights. You don't have to stay there two, three hours. No, that's a little crazy. Yeah, you, 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 you get, you, you get a good hour in. And like I said, I like, you know, I'm getting, a, I'm a little older than you. So yeah. I like to do my cardio as well. You don't look older than me though. Yeah. You know, got a few years on you, um, but I, I like to do cardio. Stick to that. You know, keep it. You know, thirty minutes. Nothing crazy. Um, depends. Maybe on the weekends, I'll, I'll go for a hike or something when it's warmer weather, not yeah. twenty degrees. If not, you got to fly somewhere. Yeah, it'll be okay. Go to Florida. Maybe. I know you. That's something else I wanted to talk about. I know you love traveling. Love traveling. Um, did, was that your whole life? Did you used to go away with family growing up? I know, like my mother's side of my family. We always had our Disney thing where every year they would take the kids and us growing up to Disney, and that was like our family thing. What got you into – so, you're all over the place. Yeah, no. So we actually did a lot of uh, trips to Italy because I have a ton of family in Italy. Really? So we would go to Italy every summer 
Um, <clears throat> believe it or not, yeah, we didn't do other places. We just did Italy every year, every year, every year we did Italy. I wish I could Italy. That's, yeah, that's so amazing. I actually, it's funny because I actually was tired of it at that point. You know, I was a little kid. I was this guy's tired <laughs> of going to Italy. Well, it's different when you're <laughs> two, three years old, you know. But um, going there every summer, it's it's yeah, not as no, fun as when you're, you know, 25 yeah, or 30 or an adult. Right. Um, so that's what I just, I'm like, I just want to travel the world at that point. So Every year, I made a list of different places I wanted to go, whether it's a state. Yeah. Usually, it was more of a country that I wanted to visit, yeah. and uh, I put it on the bucket list. So I, I, I would do four to five trips a year. That's my goal. If I could get a few extra in, yeah. but four to five is my number that I like to do trips, vacations. It's important. People don't realize. And it's huge. Every business, I'm sure, is stressful, but especially in the real estate business, I feel like, in, in our business, what we, what we do you have to take that pressure off. You need and it, yeah. There's no better way, in my opinion, than hopping on a plane and flying somewhere. Yeah, 100%. Don't get me wrong, I don't leave for three weeks at a time. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I feel like when I do go, it's maybe you know a week or so. What was your best trip besides is Italy? Was that the farthest place um, that you ever went? Or what's... Uh, I've, yeah, I've been to like uh, Costa Rica, Panama. Yeah. Uh, I have some. I have a godson in Colombia. Nice. So I've traveled. Yeah. So definitely did a lot of countries. Uh, you have a godson in Colombia. Godson in Colombia. It's amazing. So he goes back and forth. Gives you an excuse to get out there. Definitely. Gives, yeah. I actually went like uh, twice so far this year. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was cool. So uh, you know, it's good to visit him, see him for a day or two, and then I can just shoot out. You yeah. Know, yeah. So. And I, I notice you're really close. I always see you with Ciro's. How, how old are you? You, you have nieces and so, nephews? Uh, no, just two nieces, nice. uh, 13 and 9. Nice. Yeah, so... Uh, you're the Funkle. The Funkle. The Funkle. 100%. What's, it was always... My sister had kids um, when I was a little younger, and it was always not uncomfortable, but I was never like the kid person. Right. Until obviously, I have a kid now. I have a daughter. You know, Gianna. She's the best thing in the world. Beautiful. But I never, I was never the one to like be into the like hold the baby and stuff like that. And then my sister had a few kids, and I, I became more comfortable. You know, as that happened, and then once I had my own daughter, now I right. want to hold everybody's baby because <laughs> she grew up so fast, and you know now she's almost three years I know, old. She's it's big. like yeah, it's crazy how fast time flies. When how old were you when your brother had kids? Um, so it was like what. 13, so I figured I was about like 27. Okay, so, yeah, so sim that was my, similar age. Yeah, so, so 27, and you know, it's, it's crazy because now my, my, my oldest is a teenager. It's just like, oldest niece, she's a teenager. She's a teenager. It's like, oh my God. It's like, we just, I was holding her in my arms yesterday, I felt, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, just reading her, like, you know, lullaby, going to bed, and now she's a teenager. She's on the sports team, and you know, yeah. she's talking about going out. I'm like, ah. Oh, <laughs> talking about going out. Jeez. Oh, yeah, with us, maybe, so yeah. we could. <laughs> yeah, I'll should be the chaperone. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, time definitely flies. It's crazy. And you were always, it's, it's nice that you're involved, you know, with the fact, you've, I know you've always been yeah. so close with your I'm family. actually seeing them tomorrow, believe it or not. They're gonna, nice. They have sleepovers. That's awesome. They come by me, we hang out for the night, cool. you know, we'll, we'll uh, get food, ice cream, or Dunkin' Donuts either nice. or, and then we watch a movie. Yeah. That's, so. good, that's good stuff. Yeah. When's the time for you, man? When are your kids coming out? Uh, do you want to, you, you want to have, you yeah. want to have kids? I definitely want to have kids, yeah. That's awesome. I definitely, I have to find, uh, you know, you have to be obviously committed in relationships. I respect your discipline, though, yeah. because the one thing that I've learned about you is that you don't settle for anything in life, and that's yeah. a great quality to have. I feel like so many people in this generation, whether it's having children or getting married to somebody, I feel like they do it just to do it nowadays. Yeah, that's not me. That's a problem with this generation. I truly believe that. Um, I don't know why. I guess people need that feeling of having Unfortunately, it's yeah, they, they just want to settle. I don't believe in settling. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's you have to make sure you're in it for the right reasons. 
I'm not gonna be, and be with comfortable someone. with yourself. One hundred percent. You have to be comfortable. I'm not gonna be with someone just to be with them yeah. and be miserable. At that point, I'd rather be by myself and single. Yeah, yeah. I so agree. Hopefully, uh, hopefully soon. Hey, you never know, man. I feel like it's I feel like it's right around the corner. Right around the corner. Beans coming. I want to buy some more (laughs) gifts. Yeah, listen, it's a it's a it's a crazy feeling because I never thought for myself, you know, that I would have a two and a half or three year old daughter just even hanging out with you years ago. Going out, it's crazy. It's just not something I ever talked about, and uh, it's 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 different. But I would not trade it for anything in the world because you see them. It's like the funniest. You can't even explain the feeling. You it's can't, like, no, it's fun. And listen, I, I can't uh, relate to it as a daughter or son, but when my nieces, I definitely can. It's a similar feeling. Cause very, people yeah. Are, yeah people, nieces and nephews it's are, great. Yeah, that, it's that, great. that's like your children. Yeah. You know, I always had like my, my Aunt Karen, who never had kids. We were always close with them growing up, and my Uncle Lou, and right. we always had that like parent-kid relationship, and... I feel like there's always that aunt or uncle that I have that relationship with yep, you know, the nieces and course. nephews. Like you said, the Funkle, right? It's good to be that guy. <laughs> before we uh, before we wrap things up tonight, you know, I know we briefly talked about, you know, some things you would recommend to people that because you've gone through a time like 2008, even though it's not the same time as now. You know, it's challenging right now. Even going back to when COVID started, I remember because you brought up banks shutting down and not funding loans. I remember I had non-qualified mortgages. Those are the non-QM loans we do. Scheduled at the closing, and even when COVID happened, the investors turned off their their, their programs in New York, their warehouse lines, and they weren't funding loans. And that was the first time in my career I was like, I don't even know what to think. Like it's like those loans they just came out, right? And then right away they were like, "Up, we're done with them." They turned it off. Obviously, they sorted out whatever they had to sort out. It took. Time definitely took you know, but overnight to fix it. that was that became fifty percent of our business at that time real fast because you had programs available that people that made money but maybe they didn't show all their money because of their write offs on that whatever it was you know those people now qualified for a loan and to be able to tell them hey you can't buy a house now or you can't refinance that was just a shock for me right um, wh- where do you what do you see <laughs> You know, over the next, I'd say, five years in this business, do you see like a lot of those programs, you know, still do you see us still lending on those types of non-qualified loans? What do you think about interest rate? I know we said something has to happen. Right. Yeah. So I definitely feel like something has to happen. Reference to interest rates. Obviously, we've we've seen it. Rates came down uh, three quarters or so of a a point so far in the last few weeks. We had a good couple weeks. We we had a great rally in the last two, three weeks. I feel like it's going to go lower. Get back into the market now. (laughs) Hurry up, whoever didn't get their license. (laughs) Um, But I feel like it's going to take more time. Realistically, I feel like we have another year or so, year, year and a half. A lot of them are saying end of 2024, which is... Right. Just around, you know, election time, right around there. There's going to probably be another drop, you know, get a rally. Um, listen, do I foresee 2 and 3%? No, I don't think that was real. That, w- that was, like, made up, I personally think, of course, what they did to try to stimulate the economy. Yeah, but that's what, like, you never know. I feel like now that something like that happened, how do you know it can't happen again? I, mean, I don't think it's realistic, know. though, because if you do the math, whoever refinanced at a 2 3%. Someone's paying for it, right? If rates go to 2%, who's paying for it? But, but this is the way I look at it. Now, if you want to go put your money away in a savings account, you're getting a five percent, five and a quarter in savings accounts. So now, if you have a three percent, that means you basically can have a more. You could have the money in your bank account. You don't have to, have to pay your mortgage off because you're making three percent right. or two, depending on whatever yeah. your rate is. So yeah, I don't think that's going to happen again. Two, three percent. I I personally don't think that's realistic. At least no time soon. Yeah. 
But I do think that we're going to have a correction one way or another. Like whether, values of homes? or what? Yeah, 100%. I feel like we yeah. have to. Things yeah. just keep going up and up. It's yeah. like, you know, a, a single-family residence in Nassau is going to be a million dollars soon. Yeah, like I remember even Giovanni back then, he bought his house on the canal for what he paid. It's just, it just doesn't even make sense. Now you go buy that house, it's three times the price. I know. You can't buy a house for even a couple hundred, you know. You spend four or 500000 on a house now, your payment's $5,000 a month. You know, you have to make $160,000 a year right. to qualify because chances are you have car payments and credit cards and other debt. Of course, yeah. You know, so that I feel like that makes it to where something has to give at yeah, some point. And I don't so. even, $400,000 doesn't even exist here, I feel. Yeah, no. Unfortunately, the lowest houses I'm seeing, 500, 475, yeah. and that's for like a two bedroom, three bedroom house. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. Listen, I, I appreciate all your, uh, all your knowledge and, uh, you know, speaking about some of the crazy times you've gone through in this business, the one thing that I could say and that I've been saying these last couple of weeks is that next time that something like this does happen in our business you know i think we'll all be not not you just i speak for myself right we'll all be more prepared i feel like for a challenging time like this and that's not just like a financial thing that's just being smarter about business right. you know digging deeper you know now we're obviously doing content and getting out there building our relationships more you know so i feel like the next time this does come around We'll be even more bulletproof more than we are now. An, yeah. yeah, listen, we're still closing loans. You know, we'll always be successful in every market that I truly believe, because I wouldn't be in this business if I didn't believe that this tremendous opportunity in every market in this business. Right. But everybody, I feel like, always has to get smarter. We all make mistakes. Listen, I, I've, I've been doing this forever, and I feel like I still have to get smarter. You know, knowledge is power. It's huge. So the more you know, the more you learn. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop learning just because yeah. I've been doing it 23 years. I know a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I want to know more. So there's, there's no, you're not going to put a stop on how much you're going to learn and keep learning. You know, I was going to finish up, but one more thing I wanted to bring up is I heard you're, and we've talked about this, you're, you're the crypto king, I'm pretty sure. I'm big into crypto. Let's talk, talk about crypto a little bit. You've, uh, when did you first... So I got into Bitcoin. So Bitcoin was the first thing you Bitcoin, got into back Bitcoin, then? Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, when it was, oh my God, I think it was like $1,000. And that was actually a lot, believe it or not. Uh, you hear the stories from like 2010, 11, 12, where people bought it by accident. They didn't even know what it was. Yeah, no, I didn't get in that low. So when I got mine, it was 1000 Uh Yeah, back then it was like 1000 or so. That's still a tremendous opportunity. Yeah, from, then it went to like Fifty or sixty thousand. Yeah. So uh, you know, I feel like twenty twenty four is going to be a good. Do you uh, see crypto come? Uh, has it started? It's it's, it's yeah. Crypto last year was uh, Bitcoin was fifteen thousand. Now we're right about like thirty seven five, thirty seven thousand five hundred. Wow. So it's kind of going right back to a where lot it of was. Sold off. I just kept buying more at that point. Yeah. Well, that's what separates people like you from the average person. You know, when things get more challenging, you have to continue to plug away. And because you were so smart, because you've always been smart, I just, I know that about you, just from having conversation from the people that you're around, you know, and the reason why you had the opportunity, even during a challenging market to dump more money into right. stuff like that is because you, you are smart at what you do All about and you've always made the right decision. That's I appreciate it. it. Got to average out at that point. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Listen to, again, when you see opportunity and I feel like people are starting to say, we're going to see the biggest real estate opportunity that people have ever seen. I don't know if that's true. I'm starting to see a lot of these big real estate guys post on the internet, big real estate investors saying that in the next two years or a year, we're going to see the biggest real estate opportunity 
you know, with whether foreclosures or right. buying properties. It's that, I think that's true. Uh, listen, you you know, true? 2024 is going to be a big year altogether, whether we're talking about uh, crypto, which I think it's going to be a huge year. You have the halving as well. That's like when everything's yeah. going to get cut in half with Bitcoin. So I think that's going to be huge. Uh, real estate, it's going to be dicey from where things are going to go. But in all reality, if people can't afford their houses, what's going to happen? You're going to have more foreclosures. And then obviously more houses are going to start hitting the market. And then we're going to get into, I don't think we're going to get flooded this year, but we're definitely going to get flooded at one point or another where you know people can't make five, $6,000 mortgage payments on a $500,000 house. No, no, I agree pay, with you. That payment was 2500 bucks a couple of years ago. Exactly. And that's an affordable payment for a person that earns you know, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year, which right. you should be able to afford a five hundred thousand dollar house if you earn that money. So, I wish nothing but the best for our business. Yeah. And like I said, I wouldn't be in this business if I didn't believe that challenging times like this set up tremendous opportunity. You know, once the ship sails, one hundred percent, I agree with you. Twenty twenty four, I think, is going to be a great year. I'm excited, and uh, again, I, I appreciate you coming on today, brother. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for having. Again, me. guys, like, subscribe, comment on the podcast, and uh. Hope to do this again soon, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate Thanks, it. Man.